It's a busy Sunday morning. A lot of amazing things that have happened to encourage us and remind us why we come together as a family of God. Um, if you have a Bible, I'm going to invite you to turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. And we're going to look at verses 6 and 7. Uh, if this is your first time or if maybe you've been here for a minute, uh, we've been looking at the royal names given uh, for Jesus as we wait during this Advent season and long for his coming in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the anguish and the gloom that we read in Isaiah 8, we see this hope that bursts forth uh, in the midst of a really difficult and dark time. And it's this child that's born. And each week we've been looking uh, at these different names that have been given to the Messiah, this promised one that was to come 700 years before. And so read along with me. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles provided for you underneath the chair in front of you. And there you could turn to page 573, 573 of the church Bibles. But follow along with me as we read these two short verses in Isaiah 9, chapter 6, or verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us the son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and, and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord, Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we give you thanks for the hope that is in Christ, the one that we wait for um, in his second coming, in the midst of the darkness that we go through, in the midst of the gloom and the hopelessness. No, Lord, we can look to you in this season of waiting because what you did 2,000 years ago, you will do it again, coming back and restoring all things as it was always intended to be. So, Lord, I pray that you would stir our hearts, encourage us, and give us the hope that we need, and that you would meet us wherever we're at this morning. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, we're looking at this third word, everlasting Father. I know for us in this season, when we hear the word Father, it could evoke a lot of different feelings, can't it? One of my favorite shows, Ted Lasso, uh, that played in season two, there was a character named Higgins. And when he talked about his dad, this is what he said. He said, I try to love my dad for who he is and forgive him for who he isn't. Now, this is something that has really taken shape in my own life with my own complicated relationship with my dad. And some of you, if you've been here long enough, have kind of heard me go through some of those experiences but it evokes a lot of different emotions for us right some of us we have very sweet memories of our fathers and so when we look back at our times there's a lot of fond memories and we love our dads for all the ways that he invested and cared for you but for others of us there's a loss or of unfulfilled longings of our fathers for ones that we didn't have or wish we had Maybe there's disappointment and anger and regret when we think about our fathers. It's complicated, and the word father evokes these different emotions. And for 
Some of us here this morning, it's hard thinking about our dads who are going through cancer, who are sick, or fathers who have passed away as we grieve and miss our fathers. But that's why this royal name that's given to this child is so important for us today. That in the midst of darkness and gloom and despair, the context that this promise was given, this child that is born is an everlasting father. So we want to look at what this royal name means, how Jesus fulfills it, and what it means for us this morning. So that during this season of waiting for Christmas, that we could actually have the hope that comes as we wait for his second coming. Now let's see what this actually means in, in this word everlasting father. Now one thing that we have to make clear here is that the, the word father that's attributed to Jesus does not mean that Jesus is the father. There's this, there's this um, long-standing heresy in the early church that was called modalism. And the idea was that God had three different modes. He was God the Father, and he could be God the Son, and Jesus could be the Son or the Father and the Spirit, and he just had different three modes. Like sometimes when we try to understand the Trinity, maybe you growing up in church heard the one analogy of water, right? That water has three different modes. There was steam, there was the liquid, and there was the ice. Now as great as that might sound, that's actually modalism, <laughs> that you could wear three different hats and be the same person. But with the Trinity, what we see throughout Scripture is that God was one in three distinct different persons, that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were distinct and separate and yet one. And when the, you try to describe this profound mystery that we can't understand, this is what happens. We come to these sorts of different heresies or false teachings that lead us to this. So what does it mean then? If they're not saying that Jesus is God the Father, then what does this actually mean? Well, what it means here is that Jesus, this child that is going to be born, that was born for us, is like an everlasting Father. He is his fatherly care and his concern for us and his protection over us is like a father. He is the eternal one who with father-like compassion leads us, guides us, protects us, and provides for everything that we need. And we do this often, and our, and our history actually shows that we do this a lot, right? Who is the father of philosophy? Socrates. Who is our founding father? George Washington. And in many ways, this is what the original audience would have heard when this title was given of everlasting father. They would have thought of their king. The king of Israel, the king of Judah. And this was exactly what they would have heard when they said everlasting father. But for Israel, their king was absolutely horrendous. He was not a father, King Ahaz, was not a father who showed compassion and protection and love and guidance. Do you know what kind of king or father King Ahaz was? He made alliances with the enemy. He went into the temple of God, took out and moved the temple or the altar of God and replaced it with the idols that the other nations worshipped. 
And what he did was he actually, what we see in 2 Kings is he took his own sons and sacrificed his own sons on the altars of the other gods. He was not an everlasting father. He was an absolute monster. And it's in this context that when this promise is given that this son who burst forth with hope in the midst of the gloom and darkness, this would have been absolute beauty and hope and a promise that the people of God needed to cling to. And that is true for us as well. That this son, this child that's going to be born is going to be compassionate, full of love. He will rule as a king with authority, but he will not be authoritative. Instead, he will use his authority to disadvantage himself for the advantage of others. He's going to be a servant and will sacrifice not his children, but himself. He will use his authority to love and care for the betterment of his children. And we see that throughout Scripture. Psalm 103 Verse 13, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame and remembers that we are but dust. And this, this father is everlasting. He's eternal. He, this father will never run out. He will never pass away or die. He will be forever and there's nothing that can ever change that or stop it or somehow even pause as a father who is tender, never. He is everlasting. And in Psalm 103, when you go to verses 15 and 17, that's exactly what's described. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. You love how the everlasting love of the Father is juxtaposed to our finitude. That we pass away, we fade like grass and like flowers. But God's love will never run out. He will become the God, that, the Father that we always longed for. And this is where we go to the fulfillment. We find this in Jesus, don't we? We see his compassion. Jesus, the everlasting father, came down at Christmas into our broken and sinful world to fill our hearts with his love, to teach us how to love one another. He came to make us sons and daughters and adopted us into his family while we were yet his enemies. And this is the hope of Christmas. Everything you ever dreamed a father could be, everything you've ever wanted from your relationship with your earthly father. Jesus is and will always be for you. He is our savior. He is our king. He is our father. And he'll forever be perfectly father-like in the way he shepherds and leads you. And Jesus, you have a perfect father forever. As Greg was sharing his testimony, he, he knew right from wrong. And he was morally a good person. I don't think I really was. <laughs> and I did some really stupid things as a kid. And yeah, I shared about some of those before. But into high school, I did some stupider things. And I got myself into trouble where I remember one night specifically, I found myself on the toilet. 
And I was just vomiting and vomiting. And my dad was just so angry. And I, and I remember where he was just standing with his arms crossed, so angry, disappointed, just furious at what I had done. And I remember just thinking as I felt so sick at the toilet, and what I wanted him to do was just come down and stoop down next to me and put his arm around me and say, it's okay. And instead of love and compassion, what I got was just anger and disappointment and condemnation. You see, our Savior Jesus doesn't do that. Our everlasting Father actually comes down, stoops down, and comes around you and says, I love you. Even when the worst is known, he offers his love for us perfectly. And that's what he does for you and for me. In the midst of the darkness and the brokenness and the pain, he comes down and he stoops down to show compassion, love, and concern for each and every single one of us. He cleans us up. And when we come to him with contrite hearts, he restores us. This is the everlasting Father's fulfillment in Christ. Isn't that what Jesus did when he looked upon the city of Jerusalem? When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. This is how Jesus fulfills this royal name perfectly. He is our everlasting Father. But there's one other way he fulfills this. The other way in which he fulfills this is he actually reveals God the Father's love for us. Jesus is not the Father, but he makes the Father known to us. There's no way to come to the Father except through Jesus. And that's another way in which he fulfills this beautiful name. Remember in John 14, Jesus tells the disciples, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known the Father. And now Philip, one of the disciples, like, has no idea what that means. And he's struggling to understand it. And what does he ask Jesus? He says, Lord, show us the Father, and it will be enough for us. And then Jesus, of course, in his patience and his tenderness, as a father says, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe I am the Father? I am in the Father and the Father is in me. See, this is a story of Christmas. The God the Father has revealed himself to the world uniquely in his son, Jesus Christ. The message of the gospel is that God himself has come in Jesus and that in Jesus of Nazareth, he has made himself known to us so that we might know the Father's love perfectly. And as we do, we can love others as Christ has loved us. Well, what does that mean for us this morning? Just two, two brief things for us as we walk and live out this promise that he is our everlasting father first is look around we just had our membership joining and receiving of different sorts of people in different stages of life fathers spiritual fathers and mothers daughters and sons 
What does it look like to look around and be that for others and for us to long and have spiritual fathers and mothers who can care for us? What does that look like to be able to grow together in those ways? Do you know the family of God, the household of faith, is intricately linked with discipleship? That's, there's no way to parse that. When you looked at when we went through our Acts series, when you look out the, look at the scriptures, how did the people of God grow? It was in the family of God. It was spiritual fathers that took care of their sons. And it was spiritual mothers that care, took care of their daughters. As we live life together, what does it look like for us to do that for one another? to care for, to seek out, to learn and grow together as the family of God. There's nothing better in how this timing worked out to be able to see this beautifully represented here as we took vows to care for them, to love them, to walk together so that we might grow as the family of God. But secondly, what does it look like to look up and see Jesus who is our eternal, everlasting Father? I thought of the different words that maybe many of us have heard growing up from our fathers. Things like, you're dumb. Well, we have the wisdom of God because we are adopted sons and daughters. Maybe you've heard you're lazy. We are God's beautiful and perfect workmanship. Maybe you've heard you're crazy. You are wonderfully and fearfully made. Maybe you heard you're ugly and you need to lose weight. You are beautiful and made in the image of God. Maybe you felt like you had to earn your father's love and earn his acceptance. Well, we can rest knowing his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Maybe you felt like you have to prove yourself. Well, Christ has done it on the cross. He's done it for you and there's nothing you have to prove anymore. We can rest in his accomplished work. Maybe you live in shame and condemnation. You're glorious in his sight. Maybe you feel like you're unlovable. You're accepted and delighted in and his face shines upon you radiantly. Maybe you feel broken. He is in the business of restoring you this morning. You feel sinful. You are forgiven feel like a loser he has overcome death and the grave and you are victorious because he is victorious you feel like an orphan you belong to the family of God with brothers and sisters mothers and fathers and all of this is true because he is our everlasting father and he points us to the fatherly love of God I'm sure this has happened to some of you when we fellowship after service but many times I'll be standing here and talking to another dad. And while I'm talking to the dad, their little child will run up and just latch onto my leg. And I know exactly what's going on. They're thinking I'm their dad. And they're latching on and they're happy that they, they feel safe with their dad's leg until they finally look up. They're like, this dude's Asian. <laughs> That's not my dad. And with embarrassment, what do they do? They quickly let go and they run over to their dad and they latch onto his leg. See, I think that's a beautiful picture of us. A lot of times we look for compassion 
We look for acceptance and the Father's love in places that disappoint, fail us, give us heartache and grief. And what we see here is look up. Look up. Look up and see Jesus who was born on Christmas Day and promises to come back and look up and see his love for you. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you that this promise 700 years before you came into this world came true, that you are an everlasting Father to us. And so, Lord, I pray that though we doubt that at times, we wrestle and struggle to believe it, Lord, help us to believe that as we come to the table this morning of your immense compassion and love and protection and forgiveness that is so true in what you did on the cross, that you would die for your enemies, that you would die for us so that we could enter into your family. Lord, I pray that as we eat and drink together now as a family of God, strengthen us, nourish us, and help us to believe and hope that you are our everlasting Father. May that be true of us this morning. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.